There's mm. always conflicts because we live in a fallen world. There's the kingdom of this world still exists. Right. And we interact with it every single day. It influences us every single day. So you need to work on resolving conflicts in your life with the most important people by living in the kingdom. Because when I live in the kingdom, even here on earth, and this is a, an attitude, it's these things that I've submitted to Christ where he is the king and my self-worth and my value comes from him, it makes it so much easier than to resolve conflicts, right? Mm. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Salty Pastor Podcast, a podcast dedicated to helping you learn and grow in your faith. It is a journey of faith that you must go on, and you're either growing in your journey or shrinking, and we want to be part of your growth plan. Uh, we want to help you learn what you believe and why you believe it and yes. have critical thinking skills along the way. My name is Jesse Mayer. I'll be your host, but we cannot do the Salty Pastor podcast without the Salty Pastor himself, Dr. <laughs> Douglas Peak. Well, welcome, everybody. I'm glad you are here, and we are studying the book of Philippians. The reason why is because it teaches us how to have joy, even though we uh, are living in the kingdom of this world. So we're living in the kingdom of God, and we can experience joy even while here on earth. And so I think it's been a great study and it's all about how you take the lemons that life throws at you and you can make lemonade out of it. So mm. that's really what this is all about. So I'm glad you're here today as we button up the letter to the Philippians. So I want to recap a little bit about what we've talked about in the last two weeks as far as our biblical principles, and mm -hmm. then we can apply them to what we're doing today. In chapter three, Paul teaches us how to discover our self-worth, our value, our righteousness in Jesus and not in ourselves. Correct. And then in chapter four, he continues by laying out principles that reflect this new value. One of them being he tells um, two ladies to resolve their conflict, basically saying we will have conflict and we need to figure out how to yeah. deal with it Two, be joyful and focus on how to rejoice always, no mm -hmm. matter what's happening. Three, don't let anxiety or fear hinder your rejoicing. Mm -hmm. And four, you can't really rejoice always without being generous. <laughs> and so we have all of these fine principles and they sound really good on paper, <laughs> pastor, but tell me how does this apply to us today? Well, I think let's take them one at a time. Let's take the first one, and that is there, uh, this principle of when I find my righteousness in Jesus and not myself, I, am, I have a greater capacity to resolve conflicts with the people who are most important in my life. Mm. There's always conflicts because we live in a fallen world. There's The kingdom of this world still exists, right. and we interact with it every single day. It influences us every single day. So you need to work on resolving conflicts in your life with the most important people by living in the kingdom. Because when I live in the kingdom, even here on earth, and this is a, an attitude, it's these things that I've submitted to Christ where he is the king and my self-worth and my value comes from him, it makes it so much easier than to resolve conflicts, right? Mm. Because I don't have to prove something or justify or defend something. Def you see what I'm saying? It just, right. it, it allows me to be kind because in Ephesians chapter four, at the end it says, be kind to one one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, just as Christ Jesus has forgiven you. So I think it's interesting is that it's so much easier to forgive people and resolve conflicts when I realized that I was in a massive conflict with God, right? Separated mm -hmm. from him and Christ made it right. 
And there's no sin against me that it could ever be greater than the sin I committed against God. Right. Right. So that kind of, it's like, oh my, Jesus tells a parable about this, about the two debtor or the debtor, you know, this guy owed, you know, um, a king, you know, tens of billions of dollars and he begs for forgiveness. And then the king says, okay, I forgive you. And then he walks out and he runs into a guy that owes him 10 bucks. Mm. And the guy goes, you pay it off. And he throws him in prison for 10 bucks. Well, the king hears about it. He's furious. Why? Because he had given him leniency over a much larger debt. Much larger debt. And so I think what's interesting about that is that's what this is about. If you live in your own right, un, your own righteousness, it's hard to forgive. Mm. If you live in a righteousness that comes only from Christ, I want to know him and the power of his suffering so that I may experience the power of the resurrection in my life. You see how it, it makes it so much easier. So I think you need to do that. I, I think uh, even if you need to have a willingness to, to meet with a mediator or to help the process, you should do it. There's no reason to have, you know, going around with knots in your rope or bent out of shape all the time. Mm. It's not good for you. Forgiveness and resolving conflicts, being at peace is awesome. But you also have to realize is that this isn't a call to do this to everybody. Okay, this is people in the kingdom and the people. There are enemies of the gospel. There are enemies of the gospel. What did he say early on in chapter three before he said we must find our righteousness in Christ alone? He said what? These enemies of the gospel. Right. Right? These dogs, mutilators of the flesh. I believe you said this is a a, a form of cursing in the <laughs> yeah. in the Bible. Yeah, it is. It's a form of cursing against these, you know, of, of these people bringing a curse down upon them. And so you have to be willing to fight the enemies, okay? Mm -hmm. There there are people that we do not compromise with. The, there are people that we do not bend the knee to. We just don't do it ever, you know? And you we need people who are fighters and who will fight on our behalf. A lot of people take for granted that in America, you can sleep safe at night because there are men who are prepared to do violence on your behalf. Mm. They're prepared. You know, when, when something bad happens and there's a shooter somewhere, you know, cops run in there. When they don't do that, you know, like at Uvalde, it's a huge uh, controversy. Mm -hmm. Because you're trained to do what? Go in there and get shot at. And we, we could sleep pretty safe at night because the military is a bunch of trained people on, you know, things of great destruction, you know, right. <laughs> aircraft carriers, planes, you name it, you All know, tanks willing to do incredible amounts of violence on our behalf mm -hmm. to protect us. And so in the same way, we we have to make sure that who our enemies are. Not everybody's your enemy. Not okay? everyone deserves to be violently. <laughs> right. You got, and, and one thing, you know, that rules of engagement are very important in right. our military. You know, we don't fight civilians. We don't fight, you know, and every non-believer civilian is not your enemy, mm. you know? And I think this is really important to understand is that um, I know a lot of people who identify as gay and lesbian know a number of people who do so. And I have good relationships with them. You know, my neighbors are a married couple, gay couple that live, you know, and I'm like, Hey, you need help with that. And, you know, and we have a good relationship, right? I don't have a fight with them, but I definitely know that the leaders of these activist groups that say they represent their community are enemies of the gospel. 
They mm. are, and they go after it all the time. Uh, and I think that's important to note. Who Who is our fight with? Uh, we don't go after civilians on either side. We just don't do that. But we know who the leaders are, and we know for sure, boy, based on their statements and based on their activities, we know they're enemies of the gospel. So we have to stand up to that, and we should. We shouldn't just jump on board. And most importantly, though, in the end, we shouldn't fight with people in the kingdom. Mm. You know, uh, we can agree to disagree, but we don't go to war with people in the kingdom. We just right. don't do that. And so how do you know? Well, the apostle John tells us in first John chapter four, he says, those who profess that Jesus Christ is the son of God and they died on the cross for our sins. He goes, if they profess Jesus, then and their followers, then they're in the kingdom. They may be really different than you and they might have a lot of different ideas than you, but if they're in the kingdom, you can't go to war with them. Mm. You got to figure out a way to, you know, be at peace. And so I think that's an important principle. Yeah. And I think this idea of you need to be able to forgive, but also be willing to fight is something that's usually lost on a majority of Christians and our culture these days. Yeah. Most of most people associate Christianity with, you know, the Ned Flanders from the Simpsons or yes. that's or his that, name. I was the, trying to think the of his super name. nice, like, you know, I'm just going to bend over and yeah. take all of the beatings because that's what Christ has called me to do. And it's like, no, Christ was flipping tables. He was ready to do some fighting and he definitely went to war with Satan. Like he's not this meek, mild mannered man. Right. No. And so I think there's that. And and the other option is there's a lot of people that are wanting to just solve everything with violence. Right. And everybody's my enemy. And if they disagree with me, then you're now my enemy, whether you believe in God or not and whatever. Right. And so it's like this, we're called to, be both and yes. have both and see both and understand when each are necessary. Yes. Right. Yeah. And I think that's a, that's really important to point out. I like the way you said that is that we have to understand that forgiveness and fighting go hand in hand. Mm-hmm. And I think, I, I think the, what you had said about where we were forgiven for something far worse than anything could ever do to us. Yeah. Once you know that forgiveness and you understand what it really means, mm. that idea of being able to go, yeah, that kind of hurt me, but I mean, I've been forgiven for a lot yeah. worse and I, I can, I can kind of suck it up and say, you know what? That didn't feel great. I hope you have some regrets over it, but yeah. ultimately I don't want to let it sit and hang around my neck because I've got a better, more rejoiceful life to live through the forgiveness I've received. So yeah. I'm just going to let Well, you know, go. it's interesting. An illustration of that is um, when I was in college, you know, I, I mean, I was so poor and I was putting myself through college. I didn't have any money. I was working like crazy and, you know, and so people come down, they'd use the phone and they'd you know, charge five. This was back before the cell phones. Yeah, before would cell be, phones. Would be my assumption. <laughs> yeah, yeah, before that. You probably don't even know what this is like, but you get a phone bill and they'd charge you, you know, and so somebody would call home Arizona or something and they'd owe me five bucks, you know. And, man, I would go to the ends of the earth to get that five bucks back because that was an entire meal for me, right. you know. And so now I'm at the point, you know, where, you know, I have kids and friends and kids, stuff like that, and, and, uh, you know, I'm like, you know, if someone steals 20 bucks from me or 50 bucks from me, why I don't even care. Right. It's like, well, why don't you care, dad? You know, why don't you care? I go, I don't know. Cause I've got plenty now. Mm-hmm. You know, if someone comes in and dumps $10 billion in your lap, right. Puts it in your bank account. And then some nefarious person comes along and steals $5,000 from you. How much do you care? Not. Not as much as someone who only had $5,000. Exactly. Right? Yeah. And so that's why you want to live 
with your righteousness in Christ, because when you live with your righteousness based on Christ, you have abundance. You have a ten billion dollar deposit in your life every single day, mm-hmm. right? And it, so it's easier to go through life not all bent out of shape. You know, you know what else it does is it cures your anxiety. Okay, it cures your anxiety. It really does. Uh, you know, he's talking about how anxiety and fear. He says, "Be anxious for nothing." So he goes, you don't have any reason. There's nothing in this world that is a reason for you to be filled with anxiety. Okay. Now that doesn't mean you don't have it. uh, But what he's saying is that fear and anxiety is a part of the human condition. Every human being has anxiety and fear. Mm -hmm. Uh, If you don't, then you're Spock, right? (laughs) Or you're a robot. But even Spock, he'd get mad. You know what I'm saying? If you insulted his parents or something. You could see him flare up. You could see him flare up. There were a couple moments. (laughs) There's a couple. But even then, you know, we're not robots, right? We're not robots. And so the bottom line is is you have to face your anxiety and you can't do it if you deny you ever have it, right? Right. Well, I'm not afraid. I never have anxiety. So um, on the other hand, if you can't do anything because of anxiety, anxiety, that's a falsehood as well. It's a trap, especially if you're in the kingdom of God, because you've been set free from it. Mm. See now, now just because here, here's how it works. Just because you have anxiety doesn't mean anxiety has to control you. Now, prior to being in the kingdom of God, it did. But now Christ has set you free from its power. Now that doesn't mean you don't have it right? Just like I have been set free from the power of insults and offenses against me. That doesn't mean they stop, right? They, they keep going. You, you'll be insulted. You're going to be annoyed. You're, you might even be hurt, but you are freed from the power of it because Jesus put a $10 billion deposit in your bank account. And so when someone comes up and steals a thousand bucks, right? Is what they did wrong? Yes. Is it uh, unjust? Yes. Is it evil? Absolutely. Does it matter? No. no. See how it frees you from that. So I think that it's really important to understand is that stay out of the trap of believing that anxiety has power over your life. Because even though you have it, it doesn't have to have the power over you. So, I mean, I think that's one of the biggest things we struggle with today. We kind of talked about this a little bit on Tuesday is this idea of anxiety and just being this crippling anxiety and this Mm -hmm. idea of this fear and how many phobias and different things have popped up just in the last, you know, 20 to 30 years that I've been alive at least. Everything's a phobia. Yeah. Well, and you just have all of these problems and people are just so unable to accomplish life because of this anxiety and we kind of talked about you know there's a lot of things to be anxious about these days because there Mm -hmm. is a lot of stuff going on but what we're getting from paul and ultimately from god is you don't need to worry about those things one if you're focused on what you should be focused on which is not doom scrolling and you're not locking yourself in the house and you're not focused on how bad things are in life but you instead maybe go walk outside or you're focused on the bible and you're you're putting good things into your life that's going to drastically reduce a lot of this anxiety and you're going to realize, yeah, "Yeah, there's a lot of stuff I can't control. And there's some pretty bad stuff happening, but ultimately I know where my citizenship lies. Right. And that's not here. And so it's like, yeah, that may mean that something bad could happen to you and you may die at some point. We all die at some point. We all die at some point, but you are looking towards something bigger and better. Right. And so Mm -hmm. I think having that perspective is going to decrease a lot of stuff. Again, 
Not saying that people who have real psychological issues with anxiety, like, please seek help, get help. Sure. Whatever that is. This is is an emergency. Call 911. Yes. But, you know, there are, there's a, a series of everyone needs to be on a drug these days because... There's some people that make a lot of money off of you being <laughs> yeah. on drugs every yeah. single day. And so well, the, and the whole gender affirmation healthcare is a huge part of that. Right. I mean, it's a massive moneymaker when you put somebody on and a lot of people don't want to discuss this. You know, it's like, well, you're phobic if you talk about it. Really? Okay. Well, it wouldn't it be nice to know that the people who profit the most of, off of this to the tune of millions of dollars off of one person. You see, when you put somebody on a puberty blocker or gender-altering hormones, that's very expensive. Right. And you have to take a lot of it, right? A lot of it over a long period of time, like 60, 70, 80 years. Right. Okay? That is a boatload of money. Yep. And so ignoring that fact doesn't mean you're using critical thinking skills. Yeah. You're n- <laughs> ignoring that fact just means you're ignorant yeah. about the fact. Your ideology, <laughs> your feelings are more important than facts, right. you know? And so now the next principle I thought we should address too and dig into is when he says about, you know, I've learned to be content. <clears throat> Remember that the, the whole point of I've learned to be content in any given situation. And then he says one of the most powerful verses in the new Testament that people quote all the time, a lot of athletes tattoo it, you know, on their arms or their back or wherever. Mm-hmm. And that is this phrase, I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. Right now, I, I really want to dig into this on a pragmatic level. And that is what does I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength actually mean, you know, on the one hand, it doesn't mean that Jesus is your hype man for your life, that whatever you want to do, whatever your agenda, whether it is good or bad, Jesus is here to give you strength to do it. You know, he's not your superpower to make yeah. all of your dreams yeah. come true. He's not a Red Bull that yes. you drink and you can do whatever you want. He says, um, but on the other hand, it's really interesting is that the context says, uh, I have learned to be content, right? Which is a fulfillment of the earlier phrase in chapter three, where he says, I am putting all of my righteousness and value and identity on knowing Christ, Mm -hmm. not what I've accomplished. I could do all things through Christ who gives me strength. So at the very least, you would have to say the phrase, all things means what? All All things. things. And so it obviously includes everything he's talked about in the book of Philippians. Okay. The context dictates that. You have to say, okay, everything he's talked about, I now have the strength to do because my identity is in Christ and not myself. So he will give me strength. But also I think it extends to anything beyond that. Cause when he says, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is honorable, what is ever a good reputation is part of this context, right? I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. He says that right before that. And so I think what's so powerful about that is that anything to do with the kingdom is the limiting factor of this phrase, right? Mm-hmm. How do I know I'm have the power of Christ in me, right? To achieve something or do something or be something or overcome something as opposed to, I don't have the power of Jesus to help me, you know, do something that, you know, is wrong in the eyes of the kingdom. And I think the kingdom is the limiting factor. Mm-hmm. And what that means is this, how do you know, whether Christ is moving through you and empowering you is, are you doing things that build benefit 
the kingdom of God? Is you growing your faith, building the kingdom of God? Absolutely. Is you learning critical thinking skills? You've learned to discern good from evil because you've trained your senses, right? So all of your senses, your brain, your touch, your mind, your will, I mean, your smell, your eyesight, you've trained all of your senses to discern good from evil. Does that help the kingdom? Absolutely. If you are out uh, uh, trying to be free from an addiction, absolutely. You can do all things to Christ because he wants to free you from that, right? Right. So anytime we're taking off the old and putting on the new, as Paul says in Ephesians, guess what? You can do all things to Christ who strengthens you. And so there is a limiting factor, but it's not as narrow, I think, as we might imagine. And what I mean by that is there is a limiting factor, meaning Christ doesn't, isn't to be your Red Bull or rock star, monster, whatever energy drink of your choice is to do whatever you want to do. Um, what it is, is that anything to do with the kingdom, right? And the kingdom values and the things that I'm setting my mind on, the power of Christ is moving through me because remember what Paul said at the very beginning, I am confident that he who began a good work in you will carry it out unto completion. completion. And then later in verse 13 of chapter two, he says, for it is God who is to will and to act in your life for his good purpose. And so you have to say, Oh, okay. So what he's doing in my life is about the purpose he has for me. And my involvement and role and participation in the kingdom of God. So anything in that purview, anything in that kingdom, Christ is empowering and moving through you to do that. So if whether it's freedom from addiction, building a loving relationship, staying committed to a loving relationship, to a covenant of marriage, uh, uh, parenting, everything else, Christ is there because you can do all things through Christ who gives you strength. But he's not going to empower you and give you strength to go out and commit genocide. You know, right. I mean, that's not going to happen. So isn't that interesting? So yeah, there is a limiting factor, but it's broader than we think. It's not as broad as most people want it to be. Correct. But it's not as limiting as some people think it is, right? It's, yes. Oh, that's a great way to somewhere, put it. It's somewhere in that middle and it's very contextual, right? Like, mm -hmm. again, we talk about this consistently. Context is key. Yes. And when people just pluck verses out and say, oh, this is what it means for me. You could do that with any book and have it mean something for you. Right. Yes. But that doesn't necessarily make it true. Right. Right. And so having that context and understanding what is he really saying? What is this really talking about? And understanding, yeah, there are some limitations, mm -hmm. but it's also not as broad and crazy as some people want to co-opt it to be right. Absolutely. But isn't that, isn't that good though, when you realize that it's broader than you think, and then you realize it's there for kingdom business, right? It's kind of like being able to utilize, I mean, I don't know, this is very, very reductive, but it's almost like having this, like this American express credit card yeah. that you can use for kingdom business. Yeah. You can't use it for your own stuff. It's like, I want to go get a PlayStation or I need to upgrade <laughs> yeah. my car. And it's like, you can't use it for that stuff, but it's for kingdom business. 
God's got got you covered, right? You know, well, I mean, that might be more accurate than you think because you know Jesus taught in parables, and he taught, and that might be a parable he would say is that you know if you have a company if, card, if Jesus was around today, he might use American Express <laughs> as part of his parables. I, okay, I'm not going to speak for Jesus, okay, <laughs> but I'm just saying, you know, you think about it. I mean, wouldn't that be part of it? Is is would Jesus say something a parable like that? I mean, I've read the parables so many times, and and they're all about the kingdom right every single parable a lot of people don't realize this every single parable except for the two sons is about the kingdom about the nature of the kingdom Hmm. understanding the kingdom interesting it's really interesting yeah the the only uh, parable that he told and it was more of an analogy than a parable is somebody was talking to him and he says let me ask you a question he said, uh, a man goes out and asks his son to work in the field. And he says, yes, but he never does it. Mm-hmm. And then he goes and asks his second son, would you go out and work in my field? And the guy moans and complains and throws a stink, but he goes out and does it anyway with a bad attitude. Jesus says, who does the will of the father? I don't know that I remember this parable, actually. I don't know what, which one did he say it was? Well, I mean, his, his, in the question, it's obvious. The one who went and worked. Right. Even but he had a bad attitude right. and all this kind of stuff. And part, I guess part of that uh, implication for us today is that, you know, Harv, Pastor Harv calls it uh, Nicianity right. instead of Ned Flanders Christianity. Right. He says, so, so everybody's so busy trying to be nice that nobody actually goes out and does it. And here's the son who gripes and moans and complains about it. What difference does it make? Doing it. He did it. Right. See, and so, and, and so sometimes it's what you do, not your attitude or what you say. It's actually what you do that makes all the difference. Absolutely. So, which leads us to the last principle that he talks about that I think is really powerful. And it's the whole, the one on um, generosity. Okay. And I really like how he said this. He goes, I'm not, I didn't, I'm not seeking the benefit of your gift. He goes, but I love the benefit it gives you because mm. it's credited to your account. Right. You know, and it's amazing to me how many people like to dilute this truth, get around this truth, try to say that this truth doesn't exist. But I'm the salty pastor. I'm going to tell you like it is. And that is, is that giving to God your generosity is a spiritual act. Your joy, your capacity to rejoice, your capacity to overcome anxiety, your capacity for contentment are all linked to whether you are giving to God and having it credited to your account. Is God a bank? No, he's not. Does he need your money? Does he need your money? No, No. because it'll just like Paul, I'm not seeking the gift, right? I'm seeking the benefit it gives you. And what's the benefit? There's a spiritual deposit in your account. She said, seek ye first the kingdom of God and all these things will be added unto you for where your treasure is, what, what follows your heart will be, your heart will be. And so what's the spiritual deposit that's made. And what a lot of people don't get this is the most important thing that you will ever do in your journey with Jesus is learn that all of your righteousness, all of your value comes from knowing Christ and him alone. I want to know Jesus and I want to have a righteousness based on faith, which comes from God that will change your sense of value, your sense of identity, your confidence, your courage, your capacity to overcome anything 
anything, be free from any addiction, to walk into any new level of love, heal any problem and conflict in your marriage comes from knowing Christ and the power of his resurrection. The resurrection has the power over death. And so anything that the thief comes to steal and destroy in your life, the resurrection power of Jesus can heal it, renew it, and bringing the dead, dry bones back to life. And how do you participate in that? You can't buy it. You can only by faith receive it. And so how do you get faith, right, to experience this. How do I get myself? I practice generosity. Mm. That's what I do. And so the, the, the stingier I am, the smaller my heart is. Isn't that the whole point of Ebenezer Scrooge? You know, yeah. <laughs> the whole point is a lot of people don't understand that Dickens thing is Scrooge means what? Stingy, right? Un- inflexible. Yeah. Do you know what Ebenezer means? Isn't it the same? Nope. Oh, It means praise and glory to God. Oh. Yeah, there's an old hymn that says, I lift my Ebenezer to the sky. Huh. Okay. So he's saying, so what what is the whole point of Dickens' story? Here's this guy, right, who was stingy Scrooge, but what was he Scrooging? His Ebenezer. Right. It wasn't his money. Right. Right? It was his what? It was his heart. Yes. And so he has to go back through the three ghosts. To realize what his... Heart, heart was all about yes and only then and see so that's what it's all about so you know I, i'm telling you i think what you know things that you could do to help you uh have these spiritual deposits and see your heart grow is set up a giving fund mm. you know if you're not a part of a church and you don't have any place to go um then set up a giving fund right where you put money over there and your only goal is to get rid of it and I would like to challenge you to think that if you get to the end of the year and your giving fund still has money in it, you have a ways to grow in generosity. Mm. Okay. Number two is make a commitment to a church. You know, I'll tell you what, everybody is bothered by the moral slide in our culture. Everybody's bothered by the lack of moral and character development within children. Uh, everybody is upset with the loss of the culture war towards all of this progressive and leftist stuff. Well, in the series on upstream, I talked about this. The reason why is because when you go upstream, it is the spiritual condition of the people that determines their values. It's their values that determine their morals. It's their morals then to determine culture, Mm. right? And culture determines politics and politics is what determines the outcome. So it's way down the list, but the reason it's down the list is because churches are strangled. Churches are, you know, People don't want to go in and dedicate themselves full time into the ministry because, you know, the pay is so low and people are working multiple jobs just to go plant churches. And so if you're a listener to the salty pastor, whatever state you're in, whatever city you're in, and if you're going to a church, you should make a commitment to give to that church every single month. You should give a tithe to it. Okay. If you, here's another thing. If you have kids in college, right. And you're here living here in Idaho and you have kids going to Arizona state university and your kid is going to a college ministry down there, or they're going to a church down there. You should not only be given to your church in Idaho, you should be given to the church or the college ministry down there. doesn't have to be a lot, hundred bucks a month. I don't know, but you should be supporting that. Why? Mm -hmm. Because your child is being fed right by those people. 
Right. And you're providing resources so that those people can you're, build value and character into your kids. You're paying for them to get an education. You're paying to feed them. Right. This ministry is feeding them spiritually and you're not helping pay. F- you're not helping exactly. support them. So you need to think about it that way. They're- and I can guarantee you that when your child, right, when your child gets out of college and gets a job, they're not going to remember a single thing that they learned in English 101 or philosophy 202. They won't remember a single thing it will have zero impact on their life. But the campus ministry that they went to and the friendships that they developed will be with them for the rest of their life. Mm. Absolutely. So it's a, it's a powerful investment. Um, if you don't have a church that you're going to right now, I, I strongly encourage that. You don't have a giving fund, then we're going to start something new. And that is, is that right now, because of the growth of the salty pastor, and we all have it on our YouTube channel with the church's channel and the church's, uh, uh, videos that we have on there from services and also all of our parenting coaching and all the other stuff that we're doing right. on FH kids. It's gotten so massive that it, when you go on there, it's hard to find stuff now. I mean, right. it's just so massive, right? Yes. So what we're doing is we're taking the salty pastor and we're going to, we're going to kind of coordinate it off into its own YouTube channel and its own uh, website. So you can act stuff directly. You don't have to go and try to scroll and search and it's going to have in, you know, we need funds to do that. So if you want to give directly to the salty pastor ministry, you can now do that. So in the way that they do that is they can go on to, uh, our church's app, right? Yep. And you can go on there and there'll be a, you know, you can give, and then there's this thing, where do you want to go to? It'll say general fund or it'll say Christ's birthday offering. It'll say salty pastor. You, you can do it that way. Or you can text, uh, funds directly to, uh, what's our number that you can text, um, an amount of money to it's, uh, something five Oh five, nine, one, one, one. Yes. Two Oh eight. Five zero five nine one one one. There you go. Yeah, you can just text directly that. The first time you do it, you can set up on your uh, debit card. You can you can just give one. Most people just do it one at a time. Right. You can set up recurring if you want, but I think it's better to just remind yourself each month while you're doing that. So you can give directly to that, and it'll ask for a little note on there, a little mm-hmm. thing, and you can say, I want it to go to Salty Pastor. And so look for that, and that will help that ministry go. This ministry has been growing. You know, it's really interesting is that, uh, my wife went to uh, college with this guy who was a Christian. Mm-hmm. So this was like 30 years ago. And she hasn't heard from him in 30 years. He lives in Texas. He's like an engineer or something like that. And so he sent her a note on Facebook yesterday. And she says, hey, hey, I just want to reach out, see how you're doing. And she goes, oh, blast from the past. I haven't heard you. What's up? He goes, well, I was listening to Christian praise and worship music on YouTube and it ended in it. You know, they have a suggestion of the uh-huh. next thing I should listen to. And guess what it was? The salty pastor. <laughs> and I, I started listening and I go, wait a second. I know his wife. <laughs> and so that's why I reached out. So this ministry is growing. It's, it's, it's even in Texas now. So we're excited about that. So that's you can awesome. participate in these things. And, um, I hope, I hope that this study in Philippians was good for you. Kind of wrap everything up. I hope you guys enjoyed it. Uh, I certainly did. I'm really excited about our next series and it's mm. a series about what really, uh, is the heart of a man. What, yes. what, what is the heart of a true man? And it's called Desperado. And if you remember the song by the Eagles, you know, Desperado, 
Why don't you come to your senses? <laughs> That's all I'm going to sing right there. <laughs> I want the ministry to grow. Absolutely. <laughs> well, thank you, Pastor, so much for um, just being you and being <laughs> salty and walking us through the book of Philippians. I think it's been uh, highly helpful for all of us to spend some time in this book, learning from Paul, learning from you, and learning all about how we can find joy even in the toughest of times and where yes. our true value comes from. Thank you guys so much for joining us. Make sure you tune in on Sunday as Pastor Doug wraps it all up. And then next week we'll be moving on to our brand new series, Desperado. <laughs> Blessings. <laughs>